you're listening to Pave Media Show. Visit pavemedia.net for more podcasts and video entertainment. So, John, which celebrity of any celebrity would you like to blackmail by getting pregnant with their baby? Well, obviously Chris Pratt. I knew you were going to say Chris Pratt. Okay, well, I've been very consistent on this. No, I, I get that you're attracted to him, but I thought you liked him. Yeah, sure. Why do you want to blackmail him? Well, I could what's blackmail. He, what, what, what's he done to you? Well, I could blackmail him to stop. <gasps> Is it because he screwed up in Avengers? It's all his fault in Avengers. Let's be honest. Yes, that's why. That that's something that's very emotionally important to me. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that okay. really hurt. Well, I was going to say, you know, for his own good, I could blackmail him into not making any more Jurassic Park movies. You know? Ooh, that's a good show. We all win. Mm. Well, yeah, apart from his paycheck, but... Well, true, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. Okay, full, full respect there, John. Thank you very much. You're doing the world a favour. Thank you. <laughs> Taking one for the team. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Box. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You, I know where that went wrong. You thought you were doing the bonus show, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did. Um, okay. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond the Normal Box Set, mm-hmm. where each week we pitch sequels, prequels, and spin-offs to films that don't have any. And clearly, I'm having an off week, but well, we'll see how this goes. Mm-hmm. I'm Harry. Joining me as always is John. Well, you got that bit right, at least. Hello. Yes. I mean, I think there might be just a little bit of an echo in my earphones or something. So I'm going to take them out. That's what's okay. that's what's screwing me up there. But yeah. okay, sure. Whatever. Anyway, yes. Introduce what's going on. Uh, so okay, we're we're kicking off a new season, mm-hmm. and this is my choice of season. I've mm-hmm. been given the power, and because I kind of took all the choices last season when we did films based off games, yeah. which I maintain was a great season. It had its ups and downs, definitely, but it was a good time no it was a good time and yeah. you were too fair you only took them because I couldn't think of any really yeah. so yeah it's not like you stole it away from me it's fine this was this is a trade off I can live with Yeah. so it was my turn to do a season I was thinking we hadn't really done a season on actors before any mm. specific actors and I like those kind of things uh, also during our Oscar season you know somebody who's been very much in the news if you're a big fan of films in the past few months is uh, the fabulous Glenn Close mm-hmm. who was nominated for her seventh Oscar this year and she lost again, <laughs> which has to really suck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were both super happy when Olivia Colman won. Yeah, yeah it was a great moment. But even so, poor Glenn, poor mm. Glenn. Like you know. So I just thought, you know, who, who would you have preferred of the two, though? Oh, one hundred percent Olivia. One hundred percent. I didn't like the wife. The wife was rubbish. But yeah. you know, that's by the by. Mm. But also in the course of us kind of talking about Glenn Close and the wife, because you know we both saw it for the Oscar season, mm-hmm. it came out that you have seen two Glenn Close movies: mm-hmm. The Wife. Mm-hmm. And Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. And, um, yeah, I don't feel like that represents her best spread of her work, necessarily. So. Have you seen Guardians of the Gal- Galaxy? Yes. Oh. She's in, like, two scenes, isn't she? Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm sure she's <laughs> fine. As far as I remember, she's fine in it. But I just thought it'd be a good opportunity to spend a few weeks having a look at a very long and interesting career. And I'd like I'd be interested to see how you feel about her. I mean, how you feel about her now and how you feel about her at the end. So before doing this, based on Guardians of the Galaxy and The Wife, what were your kind of general impressions of Glenn Close <sighs> meh yeah yeah like uh, what, fine yeah. yeah like a boring Meryl that would cut her so deep. <laughs> <laughs> you know the seven times that she's not won the Oscar I'm pretty sure three of them were she lost to Meryl like, okay great <laughs> so, and you know so that all the roles that she, she loses all the roles that Meryl wins Oscars for mm. you know like basically if Meryl gets sick Glenn might get an Oscar nomination yeah. that's basically what's happening <laughs> yep. like every actor who's Meryl's age who's not Meryl Streep right mm-hmm. no. Um, so, 
Ouch. <laughs> but possibly fair. Yeah. Um, I although think... I don't think Glenn Close is boring. But what did you think of... Well, what do you think of her and her wife? Is she boring? It's a boring film. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's hard to... Yeah, so fair enough. I mean, you, and, that's what I mean. You don't have the context. So. And her, her, her acting in it is... It, it, it's fine. Yeah. It's 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 mediocre. I would say no, she's no, me, me, good me, me, Mediocre is a bit mean. She's good, but yeah. she's not given the right stuff to do. I think she's as good as she can be in a film that isn't very well written. Mm. But regardless, this is not a The Wife podcast. Mm-hmm. Not this week. So we'd, I thought we would start with one of her most iconic roles, mm-hmm. for which she was nominated for Best Actress, uh, and that is Fatal Attraction from mm-hmm. 1987. So what were your impressions of Fatal Attraction? And how do they change or alter your opinion of Glenn Close as an actress? It's a film with ups and downs. That's fair. Probably mainly downs because its downs are it's a bit slow and boring, mm-hmm. and by nature those problems take take their time. Sure, sure, sure. Um, okay. Whereas its good bits are, you know, essentially bits where she just gets a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> or, a little bit. Or a little just, bit crazy. Just, yeah, <laughs> a, a tad. Um, yeah, that's what makes the film worth it, and I can see that's obviously why you've chosen it. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I did enjoy those bits. I'm glad. I'm um, glad, yeah. Yeah, I think I enjoyed the film on the whole. Mm-hmm. However, it's not a film I could just easily sit down and watch again. It's not really an easy watch. No. I mean, it's quite upsetting in places for yeah. many reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not not really a like, oh, this will be fun. Yeah, but but then equally, it was fun. I mean, it's kind of iconic. I mean, it is iconic. Yeah, it's like fun. I watched it in the middle of the, middle of the day, completely sober, and I did have a really good time with it. Well, that's good. Like, a good fun time with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I'm sure it would have been really great with the beer. And I've got some drinking games. I'm sure you did. I am sure you did. <laughs> what's, your, what's your history with it, then? So, I have seen this film a couple of times before. Because it, it, it really is... Not only is it kind of iconic in itself, it, this film was a huge, huge cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It was the highest grossing film of 1987 worldwide. Really? Yeah. It grossed more than Lethal Weapon. It grossed more than, I think... Maybe one of the Back to the Future films. Like, mm-hmm. there's some big films that this made more money than. This was like a genuine, massive sensation. Mm-hmm. And you think this type of film you wouldn't think would be, you know, the kind of thing that would be the highest grossing film of the year. Yeah. But it really just caught people's imagination. And I mean, this is way before my time. This is 1987. I was one year old. Obviously, I was not watching Fatal Attraction. But <laughs> it kind of spawned a whole subgenre of films for a little while, mm-hmm. which I would categorize as bitches be crazy. How many of those was going close in? Oh, no, she wasn't really in many of them. Okay. No, we're not in, doing four versions of Fatal Attraction. She wasn't in many, or was she just in this one? I don't think she ever made a film that was quite like this again, but she has... I think it definitely put her into a box of, oh, she's a great villain, mm-hmm. and she's played a lot of villains, and we're going to see a lot of villains on the, during this season. Okay. Not all villains, but she definitely plays a lot of okay. villains. And one film that we can't do for franchise reasons that's a classic example, and it's a very different film. Guidance of the Galaxy. What, is she a villain in that? No. I was going to say 101 Dalmatians. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Very different film. I have seen that, but a very long time ago. Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. But, like, Glenn Close, I guess, became, after making Fatal Attraction, because before Fatal Attraction, she was kind of thought of as being a bit mumsy. Mm-hmm. She played a lot of people's mums. Mm-hmm. The first film she ever got nominated for an Oscar for was a film called The World According to Garp, where she played Robin Williams' mum. I'm pretty sure she wasn't that much older than him. That's unfortunate, because yeah. during this film, I was like, I'm getting strong Robin Williams vibes here. From Glenn Close? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. How so? Like, physically or performance-wise? Yeah, or? physically, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Maybe it was good casting, then. Mm. Mm. Perhaps. Okay. But not in a way of just, like, you know, mother-daughter. Very much just, like... Well, hey, if, if, if uh, Yeah, whatever. Um, no, sorry, I was thinking Robin Wright. I was getting completely mixed up there. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Two hundred million vibes. That is interesting. I was, yes. like, I was thinking, well, oh, she doesn't do any crazy voices. She doesn't look a lot no, like him. But sorry, like, yeah. I, it was an interesting take. I was like, oh, where he's going with this? Yeah, like, Robin Wright. I, I was going to bring this up anyway. That's why okay. I got a little confused. No, Robin Wright. Yeah, okay, yeah. That makes that yeah. makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure Glenn Close would prefer that. And I don't know if this is your sequel, but if they did remake it, good casting. Yeah, good casting. But I feel like they're vaguely the same age. No, Robin Wright's a good 20 years younger than Glenn Close, surely. Mm-hmm. Glenn Close is like 70. I think Robin Wright's probably in her mid-50s at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, uh, anyway, so this film was a huge, huge sensation, which is another reason I thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about, because it's a film that... I mean, not... Spoiler, non-spoiler alert. This is the film that invented the phrase bunny boiler. Mm-hmm. Not that anyone says it, but have you ever heard that phrase to describe like a crazy stalker lady? I have now. Well, well it's, it's a, it's a I, 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 I didn't know the phrase um, well, at all until yeah. it was explained to me. Fair enough, okay. Well, that's um, where it came from, anyway. Mm-hmm. Even though nobody says it in this film, but like... Yeah. yeah. And I guess for me, yeah, I must have seen it on TV a few times, but the thing is, if you were, like me, you spent a lot of times as a young kid, like, watching late-night movies on Channel 4, mm-hmm. this film had so many cheap, tacky knockoffs mm-hmm. that were always on, like, late-night Channel 4, like, if you're watching, like, After Hours at, like, 2 in the morning or midnight yeah. or something. There were so many. None of which were as good as this, but, like... They're the kind of films that I grew up really loving, just because they were they were always quite silly and melodramatic. So there's mm. stuff like Single White Female, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Misery, I guess. Also, Misery is better than that, but Misery is definitely in that ballpark. So mm-hmm. there's lots, and it's yeah, it's bitches be crazy, and that is a genre of film I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that, again, not surprised. Yeah. So what can I get you? I've got scotch. I've got vodka. I just know I should be in the. Cut this shit, will you? Just cut it. I don't know what you're up to, but I'm going to tell you it's going to stop right now. No, it's not going to stop. It's going to go on and on until you face up to your responsibilities. What responsibilities? I'm pregnant. I'm going to have our child. Alex, that's your choice, honey. That has nothing to do with me. I just want to be a part of your life. Oh, this is the way you do it, huh? Showing up at my apartment? What am I supposed to do? You won't answer my calls. You change your number. I mean, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. That being said, watching this film back this week with kind of a more critical eye i would say this is two-thirds of a really good movie with a really shitty ending really you thought you thought that was quite bad i thought it was a really cheap lazy way to end the film mm-hmm. i mean it's dramatic and scary like if you look at it as just a slasher movie mm-hmm. like then sure you know and actually there's an interesting story about how the ending came about which we'll get kind of get to in the plot summary things i guess mm-hmm. but yeah i just feel like the end sells the film out a little bit because before that i think it's a much more interesting film because I don't think she is playing the character as a complete villain. Mm. I think she the, the first two thirds of the film, the character she's playing is very unstable and you know obviously very in a very emotionally distressed situation. And you know, it's re- I think it's a really interesting thing. It's not something that you see very often. Yeah. And then the at the end of the film, she's just like a psycho killer, mm. and it just kind of it's just a real cheap, lazy like. We need to wrap this up in a nice, neat little bow, so just shoot her in the chest and kill her. I'm not too sure, because, like, she does really... She builds up to that slowly. Mm. Like, she starts off the film being extremely sane and just a woman that Michael Douglas is having an affair with. Mm -hmm. And with all the timing and the music, you can tell it's going to go a similar direction. Yeah. If you don't know what this film is, which I didn't. Yeah. I suppose Fatal Attraction. The the title gives away. Yeah, there's there's something going to happen there. Mm. But, yeah, I suppose the film doesn't really hide where it's going. But then, yeah, she does kind of gets more and more intense. Yes. It's bits where she's just being a bit weird and clingy mm-hmm. towards Michael Douglas and then a little bit more so and more mm-hmm. so and then 
then it just builds and builds until it gets to the very end scene where it's like, yep, she's now full on murderer territory and she yes. is completely insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that was a reasonably understandable journey. I didn't think it oh. was... It, no, understandable is the wrong word. Um, I didn't think it was taking any massive jumps in, in the wrong direction or in a mm-hmm. different direction. Uh-huh. It was going in, a, in the same direction the whole way. Mm-hmm. No, I think from a storytelling point, it makes perfect sense because mm-hmm. for this kind of film, you need like a kind of a neat ending, you know, mm-hmm. and you need, you, you need it to progress. I just thought like the first two thirds of the film were much more interesting and then it, it just ended as kind of a generic shoot the monster and kill it kind of mm-hmm. thing. Especially when she like jumps back up the bath again. It's that like, was a bit much. It's so silly. Yeah. Like you know. Yeah, like that didn't need to happen because, like, also how? Like, yeah, exactly. She's <laughs> under that water for yeah. a long time. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's ludicrous. Mm. Right? Well, I guess I, I was going to talk about it. We'll you get can't to... hold your breath when someone's strangling you underwater. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, we better, might as well talk about it now. I was going to leave it a bit, but so basically, that was not the original ending. Mm-hmm. The film was originally shot ending in which she kills herself. Mm-hmm. by slitting her own throat. So you know the scene where Michael Douglas breaks in after she boils the bunny mm-hmm. and str- like it's assaults her and strangles her and stuff? Yeah. And then like they have the fight with the knife, don't they? Yeah. After that scene in the original ending, she killed herself with that knife. Mm-hmm. So his fingerprints are on it and then he gets arrested and yeah, the film ends with him being arrested for her murder basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she basically frames him from beyond the grave. Okay. So they put that out there as the ending of the film. Then they put that like, out there to who? Like to test audiences. You know, right, they do like right, test yeah, screenings. Yeah. And it got really negative test reactions from audiences. The audiences felt that she wasn't, the character wasn't getting her comeuppance enough. Mm-hmm. They really wanted to see Michael Douglas get away with it and the families to stay together. They didn't mm-hmm. like the ne- this negative ending where nobody was happy. And they just felt like they wanted to see her to be killed by someone else, not by herself. Mm-hmm. They didn't feel like she got her like, just desserts, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so they went back and they were like, we need to change this ending. The audiences hate the ending. And Glenn Close was really, really angry about it. And she didn't want to do it. She thought it was unfair to the character because mm-hmm. she played the character as a character that had she always says she never saw the character as a villain. She's like, the character has major mental health problems, mm-hmm. but the character's not just this, like, cartoon villain. And it took, like, two weeks of, like, like, refusing to even shoot them, but then eventually she just gave in because everyone pressured her to shoot this new ending. Yeah. Which, to this day, she still famously hates, and she always says, like, I hate the ending. But she's, like, kind of made peace with the fact that that's the ending that people wanted and stuff. So yeah. it was a crowd-pleasing choice, basically. Okay. But you can see the original ending on YouTube. It's still out there. Like, How is it? And it's definitely more interesting. Mm. Like, it's not as dramatic. It's mm-hmm. kind of quite a slow ending. I think I agree that that would be a much better ending. Mm-hmm. However, I think that cuts out the most dramatic part of the film. Yeah. Because the most dramatic part of the film was between the fight in the apartment and then she invades their home. Sure, yeah. And then they have the bathroom fight. And the bathroom fight is also very dramatic until mm. she jumps back out of the water and gets shot. Yeah. Yeah, like the whole build-up and tension to that, because everything's just they're just going about their lives, normally doing slow mm-hmm quietish things and nothing's really happening but the music is being so sinister in the background it's like oh this is drama yeah something is gonna happen and i mean you, you can see it coming like as soon as the wife starts cleaning the mirror or something sure, it's like, sure, sure, there yeah. she is yeah but like before that they're kind of doing is she going to appear in the kitchen with michael douglas is she going to be in the bathroom is she going to be in the bedroom with the kid or like yeah what's going to happen and mm-hmm. no it's definitely an exciting sequence mm-hmm. like, i just yeah i just think it i think do- the film would be significantly uh, less impressive if it wasn't for that sequence. Mm-hmm. That's fair. It's certainly, I, don't think, I certainly don't think it would be as big of a hit as it was with, with the original ending. I think audiences really obviously came out at that time. It just struck a chord and people really wanted to yeah. see that, which is, 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 you know, could be interpreted in a lot of different ways, I guess. What did you think of his character? Did you have any, like, sympathy for his character or...? Um... I mean, a bit. Like, in fact, no, yeah, I, I absolutely did have sympathy for him because, like, he was in the wrong, she was in the wrong. Yeah. Relatively, he didn't really do that many things wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, he slept with another woman and didn't tell his wife. Those were the yes. things he did wrong. Mm-hmm. 
And those are the only things he did wrong, as far as I can tell, unless I'm forgetting anything. Well, yeah, I mean, if you put it on, like, a scoreboard, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Well. And, and then... Obviously, when you compare it to throwing acid on a car, boiling yeah. a bunny, kidnapping a child, yeah. You know. Yes. So, yeah, I had sympathy for him for, like, pretty much everything that happened afterwards, mm-hmm. other than just, like, his wife's reaction, which, you know, fair. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, yeah, everything that was going on to him and his entire family, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely felt sympathy for that. Okay. I thought it was really interesting watching it back, like, how... And I couldn't tell whether it was, like a sign of the times and the, the kind of way things were then in terms of how people's opinions of women were and sex and stuff was, etc. Or whether it's just, I mean, whether you watch it from a 21st century point of view where we're kind of trained to think about things in a different way. But yeah, I was really interested to see how little effort the film made to make him like a sympathetic character. Because I felt like he, you're right, he didn't do anything, you know, majorly wrong aside from the affair, but I never found him particularly likable. Mm. And maybe that's... Yeah, same. Yeah. Or sympathetic. Like, and maybe because it's Michael Douglas and I've never... I think he's a good actor, but he's not somebody who I would describe as, like, a likeable actor. Yeah, he doesn't play nice characters very No, often. he always looks... He always just looks so kind of skeevy and, mm. you know, slightly repulsive. Yeah. Like, I don't find him sexy at all. Like, some people find him... He's, he obviously was a bit of a sex symbol in his day. I really don't see it. Mm-hmm. I find him quite repulsive. Mm. And in fact, the scene when I really turned on him in this film was the sex scene when... It shows he, do- wearing- he doesn't show his bum or what? No, no, I was glad he didn't just bum. But it, it, you're close because it was the fact that he was wearing tighty whiteies. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, I am out. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean by that is that, like, the affair itself and how that happens, it's not. I thought it was really interesting that they didn't make any effort to make it look like, not to say, not to like justify the affair necessarily. Not that I'm not saying that these things will justify the affair, but like. It's not like they make it look like his marriage is unhappy or anything, mm, or that yeah. he's like not even like his wife is this like knockout beauty. Yeah, um, yeah. she's <laughs> yeah. incredibly good looking. <laughs> she really um, is. Yeah. You know, they seem to be very happy together. You know, you know they still seem to be attracted to each other. So it's mm-hmm. like they didn't even bother dressing her down. Like they could didn't even do a thing where they like you know um, you know they've been married for a while. She she stopped making an effort for him and stuff. Mm. And maybe not that that justifies having an affair, no. but maybe you might think, oh well, you know, yeah, he's a bit, you know, the spark's gone, which happens in marriages. You know, sometimes, but like. I think in in one scene she wears cargo shorts. Mm. That's it. Like, otherwise yeah. she just is like <laughs> this stunner for the entire film. It's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, there's there's like one scene at the beginning when they go to the party together and then they come back from the party and she asks him to walk the dog and then he comes back and the kid's got in bed. And it's like, well, that's it. Affair. Yep. <laughs> this yeah. marriage is over. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was the only thing. Like Other than that, like... So yeah, it, it made it... Because he had this such... He seemed to have such a good life. Mm. And there was no real justification given for why he might be feeling sexually frustrated or lonely or anything. He just does it because he wants to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to feel sympathy for him in that because he doesn't seem like he particularly... Like, I did not think it was his first affair. I was pretty sure it was not his first affair. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, obviously it's his first one that's gone horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I think... You assume. Well, yeah, you assume, you assume yeah. You but, don't know what the, what, the, what the prequel is that might be coming? Well, exactly. Yeah, well, maybe we'll get to that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but the point I'm making is, yeah, I didn't feel like that was his first affair. Mm. And I guess that's why I think I would have liked the original ending better, personally. Because mm-hmm. I think that idea that they both end up going down, rather than him getting a mm-hmm. sort of happy ending. I mean, it's an absolute happy ending. Like, yeah, the, the, the family's in shock and everything, but it's very much like, look, there they are hugging, and now here's a, here's a happy photo of the family, and we're just going to... I mean, mm-hmm. the music's still creepy, but just like, here's everybody, everybody being happy. Sure, sure, and sure. that's what we're going to finish on. Mm-hmm. When they absolutely didn't need to. Like, no. They could have just finished in the bathroom scene, yeah. pretty much. I mean, I still kind of thought, like, I don't think that marriage is going to survive. They are on a one-way trip to divorce. Like, <laughs> they, they, Yeah, they've got a lot of work to do, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. But I did notice 
um, like between the bathroom scene and the scene I just mentioned, there's a bit where he uh, he's having a handshake with like a policeman or something outside mm. the house, or maybe a lawyer. I don't know. Yeah. He looks incredibly calm and very healthy. Like he he looks his best in the film at that point. Mm. Not that he's an unhealthy looking man, but just there, he's like, yeah, my my, my hair is looking fantastic right now. Um, I'm I, I'm I'm very well dressed, and I'm just casually shaking someone's hand yeah. and giving and giving them a little smile. No, that's it. He definitely and, gets off scot free, and it's, it's yeah. like the weight's been lifted. Like, I think that's it. What the audience watching the film in the eighties who saw they wanted that release to come off. They wanted like the the, the film builds up tension for two hours consistently, mm-hmm. and they needed a really like oh she's dead and everything's fine now. Yeah. You know they needed that easy you know. So I can see that where that works, but mm. yeah, for me. One of the things I find most interesting in this film is watching him kind of struggling through the situation that is kind of of his own making. Obviously, he couldn't have known that she was gonna that mm, she was yeah. as mentally unstable as she was. But like, just seeing him trying to like worm his way out of it through the film, I found that really interesting. And I, the fact mm. that I didn't like him sometimes, if I don't like a character, any characters in a film, it makes it hard to enjoy. But for this one, it made it more compelling a little mm. bit because it wasn't like trying to make me feel like oh, I should really like Michael Douglas, but I don't. It was mm-hmm. like no, he's a dick, but. Mm. That's okay. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to see how he like wriggles his way out of this. Like, then mm. stuff like when she tells him he's she's pregnant and stuff, and he's like, "Well, you know, I'll pay for the abortion, sure." But yeah. like, <laughs> which you know, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not really a great thing to say. Not a great. It's, it's not a great. It's not a great thing to assume. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. And he does. You know, he does assault her. You mm. know, much as she's obviously provoked that with mm-hmm. the with you know the home invasion, kidnapping the kid, the bunny, all that stuff. You know, she's certainly provoking him, mm. but. Yeah, we, we, it, yeah. There's times where he should go to the police, and his head goes to her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like near the end of the film, it, it, you've basically got him choking a, a pregnant woman. Mm. You know, like that's 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 interesting positions for a hero into, mm-hmm. you know, a quote unquote hero into. Mm-hmm. So, I like that about it. I like that there's not really a clear point of view in the film. So yeah, that's one of the things that I, I think is quite interesting. Even though I'm not entirely sold on the way it ends. What do you think? I was running wiser than all the interesting guys you're always married. Well, maybe that's why you find them interesting, the fact you can't have them. How long have you been married? Nine years. Do you have any kids? Mm-hmm. Got a six-year-old girl. Sounds good. I'm lucky. So what are you doing here? So we should we do a quick plot summary? Yeah, sure. Well, what's left to say? Well, there's a few things, the scenes we haven't talked about that I wanted okay. to just touch on this all. Uh, so Michael Douglas is married to uh, Anne Archer. Mm. They're this happily married, like middle-aged couple. They've got a young kid mm-hmm. living up living in New York. He's got this fancy job as like a lawyer for a book publishing firm. It's a very Hollywood job, non-job, yeah. that's like, oh, he makes lots of money and doesn't have to do much work. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't want to shoot so much of him in the office. Yeah. <laughs> um, he goes to a weirdly racist book party. <laughs> that was an odd, odd scene. Yeah, I mean, I would just say he's got some racist friends. Sure, yeah, but the whole, no, but I think that whole scene just hasn't aged very well. Okay. Because they go to this book launch for a book called Samurai Self-Help. Was it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it's got all these, yeah, it's got all these, like, Asian stereotype characters just, like, bowing to everyone. And, mm-hmm. like, there's ones with, like, I don't know, the, the ties wrapped around there. It just all looks very stereotyped. Mm-hmm. And I could just tell all those poor Asian character actors that play, played this exact same role in every film they did. It's like, okay, so your yeah. role is to bow a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know have a big handlebar moustache and have the white characters laugh at you. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is, yeah, that, that hadn't aged very well. But he goes there with his wife and he runs into Glenn Close mm-hmm. with her crazy giant 80s hair. <laughs> that was tough. <laughs> the hair? That was, that, was, that, was, that was tough to get through. 
I'll be honest. It wasn't the hair per se. It was the way that her hair felt like such a separate entity to her face. Mm -hmm. Have you seen Robocop? I have not, no. Okay, well, listeners, if you've seen Robocop, the original, there's a bit at the end when, for whatever reason, he takes off or loses his mask, and so you see his actual face. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially just his old human face plastered on top of a robotic body. Oh, okay. And that's what it looked like. (laughs) Like, it looked like she was wearing a mask of her own face. Mm. There was just something about it. I don't know if it was... If it was like the roots and the way that the hair was kind of going back and upwards and something, and, and I did feel like there was a lot of like forehead to hair ratio. It was an absolute five head. Yes, it was, there was huge, which I never really thought about Glenn Close before. But yeah, that hairline doesn't. Well, she's not flaccid. got a big forehead. Like no. look, look at her in 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 the wife. She she just yeah. looks normal. Yeah, sure, fine. But like that this, hair, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a lot. And then she's got these giant like tribal eighties dangly earrings, and mm-hmm. she's got wearing this like. 70s jumpsuit with the like the low low just got like a breastbone just exposed it so mm-hmm. she's just she kind of looks a little bit crazy yeah which um i guess is a little bit of a red flag yeah mm-hmm. anyway they kind of make eyes across the bar they meet the guy at the bar who has a he's wearing a neck brace and i think the wife says like what happened to his neck and he's like oh he was banging his wife mm-hmm. and he dislocated his neck or something yeah which i guess is just the first of this film's subtle messages which is that sex will kill you yeah sex is fucking dangerous in this world like, i love that the guy's or somebody's follow-up response like you should see his wife yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> i look just like dead cut to a grave or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> boom like, uh yeah so there's lots of little bits like that anyway he goes to the bar they kind of make a little bit of small talk you know a little bit flirtatious and then the wife calls him over he leaves leaving an entire glass of champagne that he's just purchased on the bar, which I found distracting. Did he actually buy it, or was it, like, yeah. it, was it an open bar? No, he bought it. Oh, right. Well, I don't know if he paid money for it, but I don't know if it, was, it could have been an open bar. Hmm. But he, he, he orders it, takes a single sip, and then just walks off and leaves it. I was like, yeah. well, what a damning indictment of 80s excess. <laughs> if you're going to buy the champagne, at least drink the champagne. Mm-hmm. But see, he got what was coming to him. Yeah. So that happens. Then he goes back home to his wife, you know, living in this kind of domestic bliss kind of situation. They're planning to buy a new house. Uh, yeah, there's that one scene where... They can't have sex because the daughter gets into bed with them and he's kind of like, mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> then the wife goes away for the weekend to see her parents, takes the kids, so he's home alone for the weekend with the dog. Mm-hmm. Poor, poor dog. Mm-hmm. He goes to work, well, I guess, on the Friday, runs into Glenn Close again because she is the editor at the... At the place he at the place At the publishing yep. house that he's also yep. working for. Anyway, yeah. So then they kind of get caught in the rain. They, they, they go for a coffee together. They're mm-hmm. kind of, you know, basically on a date. They're, mm-hmm. they're being very flirty. And then they go back to her place. Yeah. I think they go back to her place. Yes, to her place. It was to her place. Okay, yeah. cool, yeah. Does she live in a warehouse? Yeah, I think so. I was very confused. Like, I know New York has some dodgy areas, but like, she seems like she's successful financially. Like, She's an editor at a big publishing house. Seems to be, yeah. But like, also, they walk through an area where there's just people handling raw meat oh. around like open barrels of fire. It's like she lives in an abattoir. Yeah. She genuinely lives in an abattoir. <laughs> yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. It was just like... An, an avatar filled with homeless people. Yeah. Maybe that's just a, just a description of New York in a nutshell, I don't know. Yeah. But like also, she's, she looks great. Yeah, that's what I mean. She's really put together. She's yeah. got all these really expensive 80s power suits, yeah. you know. Her apartment's fairly good. Yeah, it is. Re- relatively good. Relatively good, yeah. yeah. Consi- well, it, yeah, it, the outside doesn't match the inside. No, not even slightly. Yeah. <laughs> like, the inside is like, okay, fine, that's... You know, that's the sort of mid-range New York apartment, sure. uh, according to film and TV. Yeah. And yeah, outside, it's like, you are about to die. Yeah. Like, the lift they get into to get up to her apartment is... It's a cage. It's, it's a, a cage. open cage. Yeah, that's a lift that you put, like, <laughs> flat packs onto. That's not a lift for people, like, yeah. to get into a regular flat, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they go back to her place, have 
very energetic sex mm-hmm. over the sink. I was not a fan of that. No. Just like, oh my god, there's dirty dishes. <laughs> no, what is going on? And she's like dipping her hands in the dishwater, rubbing mm. it on yeah. her body, his body, both their faces, and like that. Like, oh my god, that is not sexy. Not in the slightest. <laughs> I loved it. It was funny. Ugh. Yeah, because you could like smell like the grease from all the food and yeah. stuff on the hands. Like, yeah, yeah, and like. There were multiple plates in that sink, which, given she lives alone, yeah, I mean, she's, means yeah. it's a couple of days old. Sure, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did lay some little subtle signs that things weren't quite right with her, you know what mm. I mean? Like, mm. Which I enjoyed. What was her obsession with water? There was a lot of that, yeah, that, that's definitely part of the drinking game. What was, what was going on? She just likes to splash water on people during sex. <laughs> I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> I was just kind of waiting for Michael Douglas to just stop and be like, you know what, could you just stop that, please? This, yeah. is, this isn't working for me. Yeah. Like, cool it with the water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so they, they have this very athletic sex. Then they go out dancing, mm-hmm. and she's like constantly whipping her hair in his face. <laughs> Which, again, I just found very funny. This whole scene was maybe one of my favourite scenes of the film. So they go dancing, and then they go back to her apartment again. She, she gives him a blowjob in the lift, mm-hmm. which was very funny. It, it, it was funny, and also I kind of felt his... Discomfort. Sure, 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 yeah. Because, like, he's there, he's lived, there's people walking past because it's just an open cage lift, and he's just like, uh, going down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the dramatic boob reveal when she just, like, flings yeah. herself back. She goes, just flings herself back, just flings it. It's great. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so they have this big old night of passion, mm-hmm. and then he stays over, and then, then they go to the park. With mm. the dog at some point? Yeah, yes. with the dog at some point. Yes, they do. And they're both very energetic. Like, I know yeah. that, well, she's supposed to be 30s. Supposed to be. Yeah. I don't know what he's supposed to be. But uh, they both look very, very energetic for their age. They're literally more energetic than a high-energy dog. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I don't know what's going on. And the bit where he lies down and pretends to have a heart attack, I'm just like, you know what, I believe this. Yeah, yeah, sure. This, this, this could totally be a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, this could. <laughs> That's fair. Shitty thing to do. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was just fooling around. My father died of a heart attack. So they have this, you know, wild weekend. They really like each other. Or she certainly really likes him. He's obviously enjoying this little fling. Yeah. And then obviously it comes, the weekend's winding down and she kind of says she'd like to see more of him. And he's kind of says, well, that's not going to happen. I'm married. Sorry. Uh, And she takes that rather badly, Mm -hmm. to put it mildly. Mm -hmm. I'd forgotten that the wrist slitting happens so early. Yeah, yeah. That was a because I remember the bunny scene because that's like iconic, and mm-hmm. I remember her kidnapping the kid. But for some reason, in my head, that's something that happens near the end. Mm. So when that happened, like the first time the when they have that little fight, it was a real like, oh holy shit! Mm. Like, it really goes from like zero to crazy super fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a good jump scare. Yeah. And yeah, so then he kind of obviously feels terrible, like takes care of her, makes sure she's okay, and then tries to like you know exit the relationship kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then you know over the course of the rest of the movie, she basically becomes obsessed with him. Starts phoning up the house a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, she tells him she's pregnant at mm-hmm. a certain point. We never find... Do you reckon she really was? It's never entirely clear. No, you never find out. Um, I don't think she was. No. I did wonder, like... I mean, 
she's obviously you know not the most stable person but pregnant women don't go on roller coasters that's like, that was my main thing I was like you shouldn't be on a roller coaster if you're like especially if you like have a history of miscarriage and you're an older woman yeah. and you're pregnant then yeah roller coaster's not a good idea mm-hmm. yeah. but at that point maybe she was so far gone it didn't matter like, yeah know. yeah but anyway so she basically keeps amping up the crazy she turns up at his house to get she, I think he blocks her number or something or changes his number and then she t- so she turns he, up he, at his, he moves house Oh, that's the email's house. It's not because of this. Like they were, they were clearly moving anyway. Yeah, oh, yeah, family moves, moving to the countryside, yeah. yeah, or to a bigger house anyway yeah. in the suburbs. But then she manages to stalk away into the, the, the wife's. You know, obviously the wife doesn't know who she is, mm-hmm. so she kind of breaks. It, not doesn't break in. She pretends to be wanting to buy his old flat so mm-hmm. that she can meet the wife and get a number of her. So yeah, just lots of really cool like tense scenes where he just walks into the apartment and oh my god, there she is sat with the wife or mm-hmm. or the phone rings at four a.m. and he's lying next to his wife and. You know, it's her and stuff. So mm-hmm. it ramps up the tension really well. She pours acid all over his car. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get to the infamous bunny boiling scene. Mm-hmm. Did you know that that was a part of this film? Or was no. that, did that come as a surprise to you? Yeah, it came as a surprise. Was it? Well, not like, a, oh, it's from here. It was just like, oh, right, that's, that's intense. Yeah. That, that is the iconic famous scene. Like, mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, she, she boils the daughter's terrifying looking red-eyed bunny rabbit. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be sad if the bunny didn't look demonic in the first yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, it's I a agree. really scary albino bunny. <laughs> so then eventually he is forced to tell his wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously she doesn't take it terribly well. They So they kind of separate for a little while. And then Glenn Close, who's like still ramping up the stalking, kidnaps the daughter. Well, well, yes, it is kidnapping, but like in kind of a... She picks the daughter up from school and takes the daughter out for a nice date at the fun fair. I guess yeah. she just must pretend to be a friend of the family or something. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah. And then, so the mum's freaking out and the kid's just at the fun fair with Glenn Close. And then she does drop the kid off at the end and stuff. But by this point, the mum has, like, basically had a complete freak out, understandably so, mm-hmm. and had a car accident and been hospitalised. She, mm-hmm. she hits the back of a car. Yeah. yeah. And, like, she's fine, but she's got some visible injuries. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Doesn't, yeah. write, doesn't write anything worse than that. No, 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 absolutely, yeah. I thought this was a scene where Michael Douglas tells the wife that he's having the affair is a really good scene. And I thought she was, yeah. she acted that scene very well. They both did. That was one of the best non-Glenn Close scenes in the film. But on the whole, it annoyed me that she was just such a nothing character. Mm. I really felt like 90% of her dialogue was just like platitudes. Just like, oh, hey, honey, come back home soon, honey. Oh, I love you, honey. Yeah, I kind of agree. She really didn't have very much to do. No. It was just a little bit bland. Yeah. It really could have done to have been like, oh, she's actually a horrible person. Not like... She's Glenn Close, mm-hmm. but, you know, she's really bad and you can see where Michael Douglas is off trying to find happiness somewhere else because she is really making him really unhappy. Well, I just want... I in, don't in, necessarily... in, in, in some way, just more of that, I think. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even necessarily think she needed to be villainised. I just think, like, it could have given her a bit more agency in the film. Just mm-hmm. It would have been interesting for them to actually have a marriage rather than just, like, you know, she's just a the pretty trophy wife, you know, mm-hmm. who's, you know... The only thing she gets to do is at the end of the film, she kills Glenn Close, which is like, great, but it's not really earned. Mm. You know I mean? From her character's perspective, it's just like, I guess the audience is like, yeah, you better kill her, you know? Like, yeah. But weird with that gun, because mm. like... Such a heavy-handed Chekhov's gun. It really was. <laughs> because like, I think Michael Douglas is on the phone at the time, he just opens the top drawer, closes the top drawer. Yeah, just, just let's just say, like, oh, it's there's just like, gun, yeah. oh, there's the gun. Yeah. And like, that won't come up again. Yeah, that... So weird. Mm. Yeah. So weird. That's what I mean. This part of the film was really, really heavy-handed. Mm. Oh, that, that was why I brought this up, because it really annoyed me how the kid gets kidnapped, you know, comes back safe and sound, but then the wife gets into the accident, is really badly injured, but, mm. but you know, is ultimately fine. Yeah. And then she just kind of seems to forgive him. 
Yeah, she I does. think she'd be more mad at that point. Yeah, like, hey, this is now affecting our child. You know, mm-hmm. not only have you broke my heart, whatever. Mm-hmm. Also, our child is now in danger because of this stupid thing that you did. Mm-hmm. She should be the most furious. Instead, it's like he goes to the hospital bed, like smiles at, her, and she's like, "Oh, okay, all is forgiven." Mm-hmm. It was weird. that's what I mean. I wish they'd given her a character so yeah. that she, you know, even if that was, even though they did stay together, then that's fine. That's a that's a legitimate choice. People get mm-hmm. all kinds of tough shit if they're in love, but I would just like it if she'd had anything to say other than just like smiling mm. her entire role was just smiling and saying honey and then at the end picking up a gun yeah and even then she didn't get any dialogue so like yeah but anyway so then he moves back into the house and he goes to her apartment after the kidnapping actually he visits his wife in hospital then he goes to Glenn Close's apartment and tries to kill her where well, they have this big fight he like strangle. he breaks in and he strangles her and he's choking her to death and then he like obviously sees himself what he's doing and then stops himself and then she tries to yeah. stab him and then he just leaves her. He just he just like runs out of the house, and as you mentioned, that's when she's like con- clearly completely disconnected. Yeah. And then the next thing we know, the family are all living back in the house again. And then the bath, the wife's, the bath's running a wife. The wife is running a bath, and Glenn Close kind of breaks in, and we get that dramatic like behind the mirror, like wiping the steam away, and then suddenly mm-hmm. boom, she's there. Yep. And she's wearing this like at this point. I think the costume transformation is really interesting because at the beginning of the film she's wearing all these like power suits and she's really a woman of the 80s business. Mm-hmm. At the end she just looks like she's escaped from a mental institute. Pretty like, she's much, just yeah. wearing like a white robe. The, the hair's even more mad. The, uh, the earrings? The earrings are gone. Like, mm-hmm. And she's just like, yeah. And so she's like got the knife and she's like stabbing herself in the fire and there's blood everywhere mm-hmm. and it's like, it's intense. Yeah, yeah, really. And then she goes to stab the wife. Uh, the wife manages to get away. Michael Douglas comes in and they're fighting and fighting and fighting. And he puts her in the bath and basically drowns her in the bath, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her, her, even, the fact that her eyes go, like, white, it's like, yeah. they turn her into a literal demon. It's like, come yeah. on. It's, it's not, not like the same she's holding her breath or anything. It's no. Like, oh, Suddenly just... you are an actual demon. Mm. It's like, okay, this, this, is, this is too much. Anyway, so it seems like he's strangled her and drowned her to death anyway, and then he's, yeah. like, sitting there panting. And then, you know, because it's, it's like Friday the 13th style, and they're, they're never really dead. And then she jumps out of the water, and the wife just blasts her in the chest with the, the shotgun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, it's, a, it's a handgun, but yeah. A handgun, sorry, a handgun, not a shotgun. And so end of the movie. Yeah. And then I guess the family, yeah, the police come and, you know, shake him by the hand and it seems like the family are going to maybe sort things out. <laughs> police wouldn't just be like, oh, right, all sorted then, go handshake. See yeah. you later then. He'd still be answering a lot of questions at the police station. Like, yeah. a woman has died in his house. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Violently so. <laughs> and like, the police found out everything, which they have no particular need to. Like, mm-hmm. he could prison as well for abuse towards her. Totally, yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those this movie doesn't have time to become a courtroom drama for the next 45 minutes so let's yeah, just end it here, yeah. Right? which yeah. I'm not complaining about yeah, same yeah. same <laughs> yeah For the first time. And you get this instant attraction. Cool. Do, should we do some drinking games? Sure, go ahead. I've got a few. So, firstly, drink every time the phone rings. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Because that does happen quite a lot. You never know who it is. Yeah. Well, that, that was the joy of pre-smartphones, you know. You never knew who was calling you. Yeah. Stressful. Uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, obvious one, but drink for 80s hair. 
Oh, yeah, sure. So yeah. much 80s hair. Yeah, I've got drink for great slash bad hair. Yeah, sure. Drink for tits. Yeah, I have drink for nipples, but same. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Either out or just very visible yeah. through very, like... <laughs> yeah. Very thin cotton. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Drink for power suits. Okay, yeah. yeah. Or coats. Yeah, that's good. I had a coat for every occasion. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. noticed that a lot. Yeah. Um, drink whenever you find yourself shouting at the TV or rooting for murder. Mm. Did that happen to you then? Were you really like, just kill the bitch? Oh, yeah. I was like, push her out the window. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Stab her in the throat. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh. I, I got into this. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is the kind of movie that really touches... This is why it was like the number one movie in the country. Like, mm. it obviously really touched a nerve. And mm. that nerve is something that makes people want to see women get killed. <laughs> I guess, yeah. yeah. Drink every time a character looks into a mirror. Okay. Double yeah. drink if two characters are looking into a mirror simultaneously. <laughs> Happens yep. a lot. Sure. Uh, last one I've got is drink for ominous shots for the bunny. Ooh, yeah. I, often associated with the colour red. Yeah. Well, the eyes are so like bright red. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'd forgotten how much peril the bunny is in before. Because, mm. like, the, the acid scene, it's like he puts the bunny down on the ground and all the, like, I guess acid smoke from the mm. car is... So, I, obviously, I knew what happened to the bunny because it's mm. the most famous scene, but I was like... Even if the bunny hadn't died when he when he did, I think that might have like killed him in the long run. <laughs> He's breathing in a, a lot of fumes for such a tiny little rodent. Yep. Like. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah, those were mine. Oh, cool, great. Right, well, last thing before we get some sequels, um, mm. we always talk about Patreon a little bit. So, if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episodes before, then please support us by donating as much or as little as you like at Patreon.com/slash/BeyondTheBoxSet. If you do so, you get a few rewards. No matter how much you donate, you get a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, in which we review cinema releases. Mm-hmm. Also, once a month, uh, we do an episode which is chosen by one of our patron supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, is there one coming up in this season? Uh, not for Glenn Close, although we could potentially look into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have a Patreon lined up immediately afterwards. So ah, great, cool. I'm excited for that, yeah. Cool, great. We'll talk more about that closer to the time. Yes. So. Closer to the time? Oh, yeah. No, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, also, uh, once a month, every Patreon supporter gets a 30-second advert slot on the main show, mm-hmm. which they can talk about anything they want to at all. Yeah, sounds good. So all that's available at patreon.com slash set. Indeed. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle? The towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. So, um, I guess it's you first this week. Okay, so mine is... I, th- I think it might be a bit of a longer one this week. We'll see how it goes. It's pretty much a stream of thought. Okay. Um, but we'll see. It's uh, it's called Fatal Attraction 2. This time, it's personal. This time, it's personal. Interesting. Okay. I mean, it was pretty personal the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say entirely personal. <laughs> this time, it's more personal. Even more personal. Okay, mm. great. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, anyway, so we're 30 years later. Okay. Um, straight sequel. Uh, Dan and Beth, that's the main two characters, they've moved house and in fact, in fact moved state because okay. they've decided they want to get as far away from that area as possible. Understandably just, so. Yeah. Because I was thinking that when they're in the main house, like at the end essentially, when they're all... You know, locking all the doors and everything, and they're in the bathroom, just taking a nice, calm, relaxing bath, as you would after a car accident and your kid goes missing. Mm. Um, But I was like, there's no way I would feel safe. Not even after the the shit that's gone down, I I would not feel safe with just locking a thin wooden door. Yeah, because there's even (laughs) a scene when the bath's being drawn, when he walks downstairs, he's like, oh, I guess I better lock the door. Like, he puts a little thing. I was like... You're being actively stalked yeah. and like you're locking the door like it's an afterthought. What? No wonder she got in. Like she made an attempt on your life today. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so they've left the state. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. I've assumed they were in New York and now they've they've gone to San Francisco. Okay. In the past thirty years, they've had a second child, a little boy called Frank, mm-hmm. um, who, along with his older sister, has uh, he's all grown up and now has a family of his own. Okay. Um, Frank lives nearby with his wife Alex. Ominous because that's, oh, okay. that's, that's the name closest of, name. Just his wife, like they're not, not related or anything. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Um, and they've had a little son called Frank Jr. Frank Jr. Okay. I'm intrigued to where this is going. Well, I don't really know. Okay. <laughs> uh, so they're now grandparents, is what you're selling me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, pretty much. Now, Dan and Beth, they're not doing so well. Like, Beth is a bit of an alcoholic now. Like, her life's kind of gone off the rails a bit. Sure. It's vaguely understandable. Very, very traumatic time. Hmm. Did um, you recognize the actress? No, I did not. Okay, you will know her from, she plays briefly, because the character doesn't last very long, the mother in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Which mother? Well, the mother of Frank and... Sorry, yes, yeah, sorry, of course, the other ones. Um, <laughs> Dee and, okay, yeah, Dee d- and d- Dennis's mother. So right. Frank's ex-wife, yeah. Okay, she cool. plays the mother in that. Yeah, sure. So there you go. Wouldn't recognise that, because that's very early season. It's very early season. Mm. She doesn't really stick around very long, but yeah, that's one of the... F- no. I think she's known for. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So she's an alcoholic. I just thought because that character was probably a bit of an alcoholic. So yeah. Anyway, um, and Dan, who is uh, Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas yeah, um, he is going full midlife crisis. Mm. Even though he's like days away from retirement, but whatever. Sure. Yeah. I, I just think it suits Michael Douglas to be driving around in a small red convertible sports car, trying out his hand with Harley Davidson motorbikes and oh, like out. a classic like midlife yeah. crisis, trying to recapture lost youth kind of thing. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he's only like, a couple of weeks away from retirement now. Okay. Um, he's still. Retirement as a as, as a lawyer in a firm which specialises in family law. I thought that would be okay. Yeah. Just he's uh, changed tax since the incident. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wants to know his rights for next um, time he bangs some crazy broad. Yeah. Well, anyway, speaking of, okay. One day he goes into work and, uh, as planned, he's introduced to his uh, replacement um, to start the handover period. Mm-hmm. Now his replacement is a uh, a woman called Alexa, mm-hmm. who uh, through the magic of cinema is played by a thirty something year old Glenn Close. Oh, we're gonna de age. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm. Okay. And does he notice the resemblance? Or? He does not. Okay. Because, well, let's face it, he well, he, he doesn't recognise her at first because 30 years have passed and his memory is warped. Sure, sure, sure. Really. Okay. But, you know, one thing leads to another. They bump up this. Oh, God. The moment he does recognise her, it's a particularly explosive moment, let's just put it that way. What, um, like he jizzes his pants? Or? Well, the bumping uglies. Oh. They finish bumping uglies. Oh, and that's when he recognises her. And then he's suddenly like, oh, this is quite familiar. Oh, okay, I see. Right, sure. And then suddenly he's just like, oh my God, it's you. Like, mm. what is this? Leads him into a panic and uh, he gets dressed as quick as he can while asking, I've got a script here. Um, do you want to do half a script? Yeah, let's, let, let's, let's do some play acting. Okay. Um, so do you want to be Glenn? Sure. Yeah. yeah. How can you be here? You died. I killed you. What do you mean, honey? What's going on? Don't call me honey, you bitch. I don't understand. What's happening? Don't you remember? 
You tortured me and my family, and then we killed you. I drowned you in a bathtub. I don't understand. What are you saying? He leaves. I don't understand. Just sparkling <laughs> He's dialogue. Like a, like a rover. I mean, just add some variation into it. Just There's two exclamation marks there. Okay. I don't understand! There we go. Okay, right. <laughs> Channel your inner Glenn. Oh, fine, it's hard for me. I'm a very stable person. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the moment the door is slammed shut um, and he's gone, her entire body language changes. Mm-hmm. Her face turns from a face of confusion and stress to extremely satisfied with an evil plan come together kind oh, of face. Okay. Evil plan. Yeah. And she also slowly rubs her belly in a kind of pregnant kind of way. <laughs> in a pregnant kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> like what? A hey, minute you, after? You, no, you, you, you know, not, not, not just like, yeah, I'm pregnant now, but just like, hmm, that's the plan. Okay, sure, yeah. You know, just sort of foreshadowing a bit. Sure. I mean, they had sex, what, ten minutes ago? Yeah, I'm not... Oh, come on! <laughs> anyway. Okay, fine. Flashback. Okay. So, to, you know, what, 30 years ago, whatever. Okay. Um, a while ago, before the first film, slightly. Okay. Where uh, 36-year-old Alex, from the original films, so that is the original Glenn Close. Yes. She's with her husband and daughter. Um, and her daughter is about five years old or something. Mm-hmm. So very... this before... Yeah. She met him the first time? Yes. Okay. She had a daughter? Mm. Okay, who was also called Alex, I'm guessing. Alexa. Alexa, sorry. Okay. A very um, impressionable age, of course, of five. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see her, from her daughter's perspective that her dad was very abusive towards both her mother and herself. Okay. And so one day, her mother and herself, they walk into their shitty apartment to find him in the bathtub having slit his wrists. Oh, okay, well. Her mother slumps to the ground, and, and, and the daughter is just left to see the mess that's been left causing all kinds of mental issues for a five-year-old. I could well imagine, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yikes. And so we then see sometime later how uh, the mother lost the apartment and had to give up her daughter because she was she, she just didn't really have the mental capacity. Or, or, she, or, the daughter or got financial. taken into care or something. Exactly, like. yeah. Okay, yeah. And yeah, she couldn't financially support and she couldn't hold down a job or anything. And well, That's interesting. Yeah, everything just went to shit, mm-hmm. essentially. She lost her daughter. That'd be a really good um, reveal in the original film that she mm. actually had this whole family and, yeah. Yeah, so uh, over the course of some time, we follow. We now, we now follow the original Alex, Glenn Close. Mm. So we're um, still in the eighties here. Yeah. yeah, back in it. Yeah, um, as she learns how to to hustle people and uh, do what she needs to do to get by. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know, which could include many things other than hustling, but we won't go there. Sure. But it does include breaking her way into a man's apartment when he's off on holiday. Sure. Okay. That's why she's in that crap apartment. Oh, so that's not even her real apartment. Nah. Oh, okay. So her entire life is a lie, mm. and she's not really an editor. No. Oh, I like that. That's good. It's everything's fa- everything's phony. Everything's fake. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we got a couple of scenes of her continuing to lose her mind and uh, writing everything down in a diary. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like how I write. You know, the notes of a crazy person. Yeah. 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 In blood. Let's yes, say. Yes, I've seen your uh, handwriting. It is <laughs> legit terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> which includes all the stuff with uh, Dan, which that's Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we get a couple of those scenes recreated. I don't know, but just for context, essentially. Sure. In- in- including her pretending that she was pregnant. Okay, sure. So, so she never, never actually was. Fair enough, okay. Is she actually, like, mentally unstable then? Or mm. is, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. She's full crazy, but she's also kind of a little bit more conniving than this film. Yeah, she, she is as crazy as she was she was in this film. Okay. Um, but she's got other stuff going on too. Okay, sure. She's, yeah. So, yeah, they're back to the present. Um, we see that uh, Alexa, which was the daughter, of course, mm-hmm. but has now grown up to become full-on Glenn Close. 36-year-old Glenn Close, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean... You know, in The Wife, yeah, the character who played young Glenn Close in that film was her real-life daughter. All right. We could have her. Totally good. I, 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 I didn't know that, but yeah, sure. 
Yeah. Just just thinking out loud. Yeah. I, I just thought it was a bit unfair on the the Glenn Close season not to cast Glenn Close, but to be fair, she could actually play. She's the, still in the, it. The, she could play the flashback bit. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm just point out there. No, that works. What was her name? I have no idea. Great. Glenn Close's daughter. <laughs> Helen Close. Helen Close. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Glenda Close. Yeah. Glenn, yeah. Okay, so back to the present. We see that Glenda Close. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, she she now has that diary okay. and uh, is following in her mother's footsteps. Okay. Um, she's learned to live on the streets from a very young age, like whatever orphanage or whatever she was at didn't didn't work out, um, and has now worked out how to get any man to do what she wants him to do. Mm-hmm. Only this time, she isn't just going to pretend that she's pregnant. She's just going to get pregnant. Okay. And oh, so Michael uh, Douglas is like seventy-five-year-old old man sperm. Mm. Oh, all right. It's very Michael Douglas, I would say. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, probably true to life. Sure. Yeah. Where's so Catherine Zeta-Jones. She. <laughs> Um, So she leaves her apartment and uh, goes to the son of Frank's house. So she just slept with Michael Douglas. Okay. um, And now she's straight away going to his son's house. Oh, wow. So she's going to seduce the entire family. Mm. Luckily, uh, his wife and child are out. I mean, maybe this was pre-planned. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, once they're done, just sort of lying there in bed. So what does she just like knock on the door and go, hello there, here's my vagina? Pretty, Pretty much, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. That's how the minds of men work, really. Okay. Just like, oh, really? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Please never make that facial expression again. <laughs> the direction of the eyes, everything, it was upsetting. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, once they're done, the phone rings, mm-hmm. and it's his dad. Okay. So it's... it's... This is da- so this is Michael Douglas phoning his son? Yes. Yeah, okay. So yeah, Michael Douglas is there um, saying, Frankie, we've had a family emergency, and we need you to come home now. And he says... Well, so I'm now playing Frank? Uh, yeah. Okay, I need to create a new character, obviously. Oh, no, wait, I need to play... Uh, you, you, you do that line, I'll play Frank. You, you do my Douglas. Oh, okay. Because then you can be Glenn later as well. Oh, okay, sure. Frankie, we've had a family emergency and we need you to come home right now. It's like Michael Douglas. I'm going to try and I don't know. It, it, works, it works, it's something. Okay. Uh, I'm a little busy right now, Dad. Can it wait? Well, as soon as you can, just don't speak to a blonde woman called Alex. Uh, you, you, you mean my wife, Alex? That woman I married? No, there's another woman. She might be going by the name of Alexa. Oh, uh, she's here now. Oh, God. Oh, God! <laughs> Harry script. <laughs> Best adapted screenplay goes to. Mm. Yeah, so Frank hangs up the phone and turns around. Alexa no longer has the affectionate face on, but a switch to her sinister face. Okay. Um, which makes him jump out of his skin. Oh, I'd bet, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, um, I need to go see my dad. Oh, but honey, can't you stay here for a while? <laughs> She's become stubborn now. I don't know why I'm just committing to it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a family emergency. I, I really must go. Okay. Well, tell Dan I said, hi. <laughs> She's become more southern. Uh, how, how do you know my dad's name? He says while putting on his clothes. Look, it, it, it doesn't matter. I have to go. You just let yourself out. But please, please just do so before my wife and my son come back. Okay, dear. Oh, <laughs> you didn't need to pause that much. Kind of cre- like um, a creepy character. Well, it worked. Yeah. You, you didn't seem to struggle. Um, <laughs> Frank gives her a look of disgust and uh, rushes out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, he rushes home and the whole family has a little sit-down chat. And they're later joined by Frank's wife and kid and all cards are put on the table. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Drama. Family drama. Okay. So do they realise that it's the daughter of the original character? Have they figured that out? Uh, I think so. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, is Anne Archer's character in the room? Yeah. 
so she must be pissed. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. again? Yeah. <laughs> I hope she's just, like, swigging from a bottle of, like, champagne or something. Just like, <laughs> fuck this. Probably a bottle of vodka. A bottle of vodka, sorry. Yeah. Vodka, yeah, yeah. Champagne's more of a celebratory drink. Yeah, I don't know why I said champagne. <laughs> like... So, anyway, uh, they stay there for a day or two. We cut to a day or two's time. And, uh, yeah, well, the whole family, they're, they're all staying there, but they've got having many rounds, trying to sort everything out, trying to repair all their relationships. Mm-hmm. At one point, they're all downstairs eating dinner while uh, little Frank Jr.'s asleep upstairs. Okay. Um, after a while, the mother goes to check on Frank Jr. And uh, to a shock, she finds Glenda Close. Glenda Close, Yeah, okay. so I'm sticking with that now. No, no, shock. Sure. Um, Commits, yeah. So this is Anne Archer facing off against the, w- the woman who nearly killed May as well be, yeah. Yeah, okay. like Anne Archer, yeah. No. So yeah, Glenda Close is in the bedroom tucking him in and reading the bedtime story, which... You know, she screams. The men come running upstairs with kitchen knives in their hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, Glenda Close puts her hands up, so she means no harm. Mm-hmm. Um, they all go downstairs, and uh, she reveals to them that she is, in fact, pregnant. Okay. Shows From, them, like, 24 hours ago? I said, like, a couple of days. Well, you can do a pregnancy okay. test, I think. Oh, sure, okay. I don't know. I, t- I don't have experience with this, believe it okay. or not. Yes, and she is pregnant and shows them a doctor's results and mm-hmm. says, like, here's the number, call them. Mm-hmm. Of course, they do instantly. Sure, Because yeah. they're not idiots. Mm-hmm. Why on earth did he not call the doctor straight away in the first film? Well, exactly, yeah. Doctor does confirm that that is the case. They ask about a DNA test. Mm-hmm. And they're just, the doctor's like, well, given your current situation is, like, either father or son is, mm-hmm. the, is the dad, mm-hmm. I can't actually tell because DNA wouldn't really reveal that. Is that true? I don't know, but maybe it is. I feel like there's got it's to be believ- a Jeremy it, Kyle it's, episode. It's believable. Okay, well... I'm not sure I quite but believe this it. is all very Joe McCall, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they have no idea who the dad is actually going to be of this child. Great. And that's that's pretty much where I've got to. Okay. I, I don't have a definitive end to this. Maybe they just shoot her in a bathroom or something. I don't know. <laughs> just like, uh, well, this has got too complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be true to the original. So yeah. she's not crazy? She just really wanted a baby? I would say that she's inspired by her mother. Okay. To succeed in what her mother failed to do. Which is... Destroy the family? Have a baby by um, a Douglas? Like... Yeah, kind of like destroy the family, uh, just uh, get some security from a, from a nice a nice rich American family, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, she doesn't have security, mm-hmm. money, a life, anything like that, a happy family. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I took what Glenn Close's plan was, was to just be like, I want what your wife has. Yeah, I don't feel like she really Pretty had much. a plan, per se. I like no, I don't think it was like a well-thought-out plan. It was yeah. just acting. Yes. Um, acting on one thing to another. Yeah, well, it was obsession. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's that's what this is. Um, I don't really know where to go from this point. Maybe they realize. Maybe they all sit down and they realize that you know there's a baby on the way, and they get her the help that she needs, mm-hmm. and she makes a full recovery, and they all live happily ever after. Oh, I like that. And it doesn't have to end with some mentally disturbed woman being shot. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening to um, uh, what's her face from how, um, from? Oh, Anne Archer. Oh, she's she's out. That she's divorcing. That's it. There's no. Mm-hmm. For me twice. Yeah, yep. she, she divorces Michael Douglas in a heartbeat, takes all his money, okay. and goes on a fabulous cruise to the Bahamas. Great. Where she meets, like, she starts banging men, like... Left, right, 30, and centre. 30 years of her junior. <clears throat> oh, Left, yeah. right, and centre. Yeah. And, and has a fabulous old time. Great. Yeah. How does his, his midlife crisis go? Uh, terribly. <laughs> he, um... <laughs> He crashes his te- one of his terrible cars and dies. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. I'm just thinking he's just lost half of his money. Yeah. Um, presumably his house, most of his family, and he's also unemployed. And uh, but, Potentially uh, paying alimony <clears throat> to this baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, the outlook's not great. No, no. Not, not at all. Maybe he doesn't run it because he's a big old louse. He, like, drives... Oh, divorced. That's, that's the thing I was forgetting yeah. then. Yes, yes. He's yeah. also divorced, yes. So he's paying alimony and palimony to two yep. different women yep. at the age of 75. Yep. Living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he just runs off to Mexico or something. Or maybe uh, his his ex wife actually covers his car in acid again. Yes. But because it's a convertible, it's quite severely damaged. Oh dear, yeah. <laughs> While he's in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That all works. Yeah. I think I like the idea of him having some weapons. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I like a good um, flashback, flash forward kind of movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm, cool. Cool. All right. Um, or maybe he dies and gets buried next to Glenn Close. Oh, and she finally gets him from beyond the grave. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. She, like, digs her way through to the grave next door, and she's just like, hi, it's me. Like a Walking Dead scenario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, no, more like a um, Death Becomes a scenario. Okay, sure, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he dies, and he comes back as a ghost, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, I guess this is what happens. I'm just going to be haunting my family forevermore now, but at least I'll be able to watch my family grow up. And then Glenn Close's ghost just pops up, like, hi. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then just he just says something like motherfucker and then just goes yeah. straight to credits like. <laughs> yeah I like it I like yeah. it cool very good okay alright what's yours awesome. then okay so I have three short ideas this week well two ideas and one silly thing lovely okay so my first idea is called Fatal Attraction A Dog's Life and mm-hmm. it is basically the original film told from the perspective of the dog sounds boring no it's not <laughs> <laughs> oh well I mean don't write it off so quickly. Maybe, maybe it is, I don't know, but don't write it off so quickly. Okay. I just felt really bad for Paul. It was only saying sounds boring because that dog does get left alone most of the time. It film. does get left alone. Yeah, I just yeah. felt really bad for Quincy the dog. Yeah, yeah. That dog was really mistreated. Yeah. I'm picturing this as kind of one of those films like... Um, to be honest, it's not quite as mistreated as, say, hmm, let me think, The Bunny. Well, no, but <laughs> I mean, that would be a very bleak film. I mean, the, the Bunny, the star, a short, bleak film. It was like yeah. about the bunny. But yeah, I'm thinking of this as like one of those... Homeward Bound, A Dog's Purpose kind of films where you follow the dog and it's like got the dog's... Like there's some celebrity doing the inner monologue of the dog kind of thing. Oh, no. So it's going to open... Oh, I'm totally out. Well, come back in for a second, please. Mm. Um, who do you think would be a good voice of a dog in this You film? need to sell this to me very well. It's going to be good. Look, just who's, Who can voice the dog? James Corden. You know that was going to be my first choice. I know. Fine, fine, fine. I'll, I'll relent and let it be James Corden. No, it can be. Who, who, who do you have? Um, oh, uh, Tom Cruise. Maybe. He's very enthusiastic, actually. He would voice a good dog. Mm. I mean, it's quite a weird part for him to accept, but. Mm-hmm. He's at that point in his career, I think, where he just could do anything he wanted. Could his career be any more tarnished than it is? True. You know what? Yeah, let's go with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise voicing a dog, so it's very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. So. It's going to start with one of those, like, an opening kind of voiceover where it's like, my name's Quincy, and I'm the luckiest dog in the whole wide world. I've got a great family. I live in a great place. Mm-hmm. Life is pretty fantastic. This dog is not particularly well-spoken, clearly. He just keeps saying great all the time. But mm-hmm. anyway, the point is, you know, he's living with this great family, you know, his master and mistress, Michael Douglas and Anne Archer, mm-hmm. their little girl, you know, happy family unit. Mm-hmm. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. So yeah, and they're also they're planning to move. He, they're planning to move to the suburbs. So he's looking forward to this great new life where he's going to have like a huge garden and open fields to play in, and like everything just seems like it's going to go really well for him and his family. Yep. Then one weekend, the wife, his mistress, goes away with the little girl, and he's left all on his own with Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Douglas also leaves him alone. Even from the dog's perspective, he's like, "Oh, where are you going, Daddy? Where are you going?" And mm-hmm. then. Uh, you know, Michael Douglas leaves and he's locked in the house on his own for like 48 hours. And, you know, he, we have a very sad montage of the dog thinking he's been abandoned and, you know, going crazy, wandering around the house on his own, you know. Yeah. By the way, that dog would have pissed and shit everywhere. <laughs> that was unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then after a long, long time of, you know, being left on his own, his master comes back. Michael Douglas comes back, obviously. And they go to the park. Yay! <laughs> and look, daddy's got a new friend. Mm-hmm. 
A nice blonde lady. She seems fun. But wait, maybe a little bit too much fun. Daddy, what are you doing? Daddy, no! The dog's not there for that. Yeah, that's what I mean. The dog's not happy about it. No, no, I mean, the dog's not physically there when... That, oh, no, he the... does. Well, he sees them, like, wrestling in the, in the park and stuff. He might be a bit like, hey, what? Oh, that's fine. This is inappropriate. Is it? Yeah, well, he's, he's a bit like, isn't this the kind of thing you normally just do with mommy? I don't know. Um... But also, the dog is there when they have sex. Is it? it the, he takes the dog up to her apartment for a while. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. That poor dog sees some things. Doesn't want to see. Okay, we'll carry on. Yeah. So then he has a very traumatic few hours, you know, watching daddy, you know, or his master, whatever he calls his master, banging this weird blonde lady. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't think this is okay. I'm just imagining like an enthusiastic dog suddenly being introduced to this horrible, terrifying situation. But then it's okay because then he t- gets taken home and he gets given spaghetti, so all is good. <laughs> Dog's favourite meal. Yeah. I did enjoy that scene. That was quite funny when Michael Douglas is going to make it look like he's been living in the house the whole time. Like he goes and like unmakes the bed. And he- yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly not his first time. Yeah. He's experienced at this. He's a rat bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I'm told that if you were to give a dog spaghetti or just human food in any way, it's probably going to get quite sick. Yeah. And will just be sick everywhere. Yeah, most likely. Out of both ends. Yes. Yeah, no, it's not a good idea. But, no. you know, but the dog would be happy to eat it. Well, maybe that just adds to the nightmare. Because I'm thinking of this starting as like a classic Disney-style... Mm-hmm. You know, happy-go-lucky dog voiceover film. And then it gets darker and darker yeah. and darker. So yeah, maybe the dog's like, oh, spaghetti. And then we just cut to the dog, like, retching over the toilet <laughs> or something. Just like, oh, the agony, the agony. Why did why would you do this to me, Daddy? Yeah. So then that all happens. And then he doesn't see the blonde lady for a while. So he kind of forgets about it. And then they all move out to the countryside, like he's been hoping for. Mm-hmm. He's like, great, fabulous, a new start. And he loves it. He's running around the garden. He's, you know, he's the happiest dog in the world. Yeah. And then even better, he makes a new friend. Because uh, the dad brings home a cute little bunny. <laughs> Voiced by... Oh, I've got a name in my head, but I've forgotten it. Uh, Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis, that could be good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mila Kunis or Anna Faris or... Mm-hmm. Alison Brie. Mm-hmm. Mila Kunis is good. Yeah, yeah. Alison Brie's good too. Yeah, no, let's say we need Mila Kunis. Okay. So she's like a... Yeah, she's she's a friendly bunny and they instantly connect. It's like, oh, finally, I've been waiting for them to get a new pet, so mm-hmm. we're going to be the best of friends. Yeah. So... Yeah, he, he's really happy. He bonds with the bunny. We're going to have some lovely bonding scenes with him and the bunny where they're just like talking to each other. And, you know, he's like, you're going to be so happy here. This, this is a really great family to be in. Yeah. You've got a bright future ahead of you, little girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, <laughs> tragedy strikes. Crazy blonde lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Comes and takes her away. Comes and takes her away. And then next thing you know, yep. <laughs> sure. Yep. A dark, dark scene. And then next thing, I guess, it's going to be when the blonde lady breaks into the house and tries to kill the woman. Yeah. And, oh, because the dog's downstairs and like all the water's flooding through. Yes. So I think the, yeah, the dog's going to be sat on the floor, and then he's going to there's going to be like water dripping off the ceiling, and he's going to be like, uh, "Dad, dad," <laughs> <laughs> and he can like probably has a sense of smell or something. Mm-hmm. He can tell something's up, but yeah. And then next thing he knows, there's gunshots and screaming and blood everywhere, and there's police cars, and he's like, "Well, that was a crazy weekend." Yeah. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then that pretty much ends the film. Okay. So cool. basically, that idea is just I would I would like a horribly dark like film about a dog just watching the whole thing sure yeah. okay yep that sounds good now you said you had um i think two short ideas and a ridiculous one yeah what was that oh that was one of the short ones all oh, right okay cool okay so it's, lo- it's lo- longer than i expected for one of the short ones okay. and also more ridiculous than i expected for one of the not ridiculous ones okay <laughs> well here's the, the ridiculous quick one there's only a couple of lines and then we'll move quickly on to my final idea mm. okay so my second idea is just that an archer's character becomes very bitter mm-hmm Abandons her entire family, mm-hmm. including the daughter, just leaves. Marries a short, fat business mogul, has two horrible kids, and dies of a botched neck lift. Beautiful. So that's basically, she yep. becomes always a sunny character. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and finally, 
Uh, this isn't particularly funny or silly. This is just like a genuine film. I was going to do something with this. Ah, that's what we always like to do here. Yeah. Not particularly funny or silly. Yeah. Well, it's, it wouldn't take long. Um, <laughs> I just thought it might be interesting if you, if you were to genuinely make a sequel or a prequel to this film, because it would be hard. Maybe a prequel that's more from her perspective, Alex's perspective, the Glenn Close character. Mm-hmm. Kind of showing her tragic backstory a little bit. Giving her a bit more depth so she's not just like generic crazy lady. So maybe like we see her growing up as a child. Again, we're going to have to cast a younger actress. Maybe her real life daughter could play this or I don't know, yeah. some young actress. Well, probably have to be a little girl at first for the early scenes. Because I'm thinking we'll show that like she had a horrible childhood filled with like emotional abuse. And then she watched her dad die in front of her when she was like seven years old or however old she said she was mm-hmm. at that point. Which All of which leads to her having severe emotional problems. Mm-hmm. But then she manages to like overcome all the adversity uh, and wins a scholarship at a prestigious university. So she's studying English literature or something there, or, you know, marketing, who knows. And she gets into a relationship with her professor, who's much older than she is, okay. and also married. Yeah. And maybe it's a bit like The Wife, where he steals Sounds all her... Like the wife. Yeah, he steals all her <laughs> ideas. Yeah. Like, so she's a really talented writer, let's say, and he's just like a mediocre lecturer. And he steals all her ideas, takes credit for them, but also won't leave his wife and, yeah, keeps hanging on. Yeah. And doesn't really acknowledge her. And that causes her, because she's already quite emotionally fragile, to have a bit of a breakdown. Uh, not as extreme as the one she has with Michael Douglas. No, no, no bunnies are harmed. But she, maybe she does start like be stalking him a bit, turning up at his house, and maybe like the wife starts getting wind of it. And it ends up, sorry, with him like basically breaking things off of her entirely, hmm. uh, leaving her heartbroken and also humiliated when it get, the word gets around the, the, the university campus that she's been sleeping with the lecturer. Mm-hmm. And then she just gets like slut-shamed. Yeah. So she's, not only is she heartbroken, the whole campus basically calls her a whore. So she's just like, has a you know, it's a horrible, degrading experience for her. Sure. Uh, and this kind of sets a pattern in her life. I told you this wasn't funny, sorry. Um, <laughs> it kind of sets a pattern in her life for like destructive relationships with older, more powerful men. Mm-hmm. So she gets through college and let's say she secures an internship at a publishing firm on her way up to being an editor. Uh, and maybe her boss is a bit, you know, handsy and sex- you know, sexually harasses her a little bit. And then they get into a relationship because mm. she's not very got, got very good boundaries. Ends up having an affair with him too. And the same thing happens again. Like, you know, she does all the work. He takes all the credit. He won't leave his wife. And yeah, that this just becomes like a pattern in her life where she's always the bit on the side. They never leave the wife. And she always gets too attached. Ends up having a, a breakdown and getting dumped. And it yeah. just causes a constant emotional distress. Yeah. Anyway. All this time, maybe as it goes along, she's getting increasingly more emotionally disturbed as well. So maybe she starts to have like delusions and psychotic episodes and stuff. But it's going to be shown a lot more sympathetically than the original film. Like it's going to actually be like a, like a hard hitting drama. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe she's like haunted by the ghost of her abusive father or something. Like she sees visions of him and stuff, and it's just you know dark. But she finally goes into therapy, and she finds a you know works with a very supportive therapist who helps us kind of deal with her issues and encourages her to go on like some medication to kind of deal with her obvious emotional, you know, probably she's probably like bipolar or something, you know, lots of highs and lows. Yeah, sure thing. I'm not going to armchair diagnose her, but you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I just did, but uh, <laughs> so she starts working with a, a supportive therapist and helps us deal with her issues and encourages her to kind of pursue more healthy relationships mm-hmm. or to just, you know, learn to love herself first rather than needing to be validated by a man all the time. Yep. So she works really hard. She makes great progress, you know, and she gets a new job as an editor for a new, big New York publishing company. And the film ends with her sat in her therapist's office. And she says, you know what? I feel like I've made real progress. I've got this new job, this bright new start. I feel like I'm ready to come off the meds and just really make a go of it on my own and see how, how things go. Yeah. And the therapist's like, I really don't think that's a good idea. You need to take this very carefully. You know, I would advise staying on the meds for now. You, you never know what's going to trigger you. And she's like, no, you know what? I'm pretty sure I'm going to handle this. Mm-hmm. And she throws all her medication away and she gets dressed up. And she walks into this party, which is for the book launch of Samurai 
self-help, whatever it's called. Yep. And then the film ends. Just Maybe it ends with her making eyes at a guy across the bar, and then the credits roll with this, like, horrible foreshadowing of a horrible thing that's about to come. But, yeah. yeah, I like it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't. It's a horribly depressing story, but, like, <laughs> it'd be an interesting angle. Like, yeah. yeah, no, it would, yeah. Because one thing that did I noticed about this film is that Glenn Close kind of disappears from the movie a little bit in the end. Yeah, she does. You're it's right. like, it stops, the first half of the movie feels like it's quite interested in her, like, psychosis and her problems and stuff, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like, and then at the second half, she, she just kind of isn't really in it very much. She's just kind of like this looming threat, mm-hmm. but she just, apart from like a few little scenes where she, she shows up and does like crazy things, like, you know, steals the kid and mm-hmm. spoils the bunny, tries to stab the wife. It's like the film loses interest in her a little bit, mm-hmm. which I thought was a bit shit. So this is my attempt to kind of give her a bit more depth. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, that is my sequel. I think it's just called Fatal Attraction. Bitches be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what you want to go Very with. Very sensitive. Yeah. 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 Uh, lovely. Lovely. But yeah, that was that was it really. Yeah. Cool. So, do you have any listener submissions this week? Nope. I'll get to some of my listener submissions this week then. So, uh, first up, we had Frank Limbaugh said, "Revenge of the Rabbit." Yeah. Very like good. That, yeah. Maybe the rabbit comes back from beyond the grave, and you know. Mm-hmm. Alex Gridette said. Dan Gallagher, the Michael Douglas character, leaves New York Publishing and his destroyed family behind, moves to San Francisco and renames himself Nick Curran. He joins the police force and gets involved in a civilian-related shooting and is just getting his life back together when an icy novelist who is his prime suspect walks back into his life. That is the plot of Basic Instinct, which is another Michael Douglas film with a very similar theme. It's another Bitches Be Crazy movie. He He made a lot of those. He really made a career out of, like... Did he play the same part in all of them? Pretty much, like the man who sleeps with the crazy woman and then ends up suffering for it, okay. and ultimately being responsible for her death at the end. Okay. Yeah, that was really his thing in the 80s hmm. and early 90s. Weird, weird woman. Yeah. It did well for him. Yep, yeah. clearly. Uh, Will Buckingham said, Fatal Attraction 2. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gina Radcliffe said, A divorce drama after Anne Archer says... You know what? A lot of that was really your fault. <laughs> I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ollie Brady said, Fatal Repulsion. Make it about those toxic nice guys who think they can wear a girl down by trying really hard even though she just doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. He takes his entitlement to the internet and all the internet nerds to say that it's hit her problem and he has the right to have her love. And in the end, he turns to kidnap, coercion and murder. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's like about like incels and you know that kind of mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. Weird sides of the internet. That, that's interesting. That'd be a good. That, that'd be a good like way to gender flip it. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you just made it about a man stalking a woman, it'd just be upsetting. Mm. But if you made it about like that kind of toxic nice guy kind of thing that happens a lot these days, mm. that'd be really good. I it's think. more interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. Mm. Scott Hillman said Dan Gallagher is arrested for murder at the end of the film. I guess Glenn Close's murder. Sure. And goes to prison, probably on like second degree rather than like first degree charges. So yeah, yeah. So he's only in prison for a few years, not for like life. Uh, obviously, he loses his law license. But he's kind of relieved, you know, because life in prison's kind of, you know... Easy. Relatively speaking, he's probably in, like, a minimum security prison anyway because he's rich mm. and white. And, you know, well, you know. And, yeah, maybe after all the stress he's been through, it's actually quite calming. However, while he's there, strange things start to happen. He starts to get weird paranormal experiences. The guards are saying cryptic things to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he starts to wonder if someone, or maybe something, is trailing him from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. So that's like he goes to prison and gets haunted by the spirits of Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. And that could be interesting. Mike Canino said, Alex didn't die. She was saved by the paramedics. So, I mean, it's a stretch, but sure. sure, She's been drowned and shot in the the heart, but whatever. (laughs) So we see her recovering in hospital, and then she meets with psychiatrists, and after years of therapy, is found to be more mentally stable. Mm -hmm. 
She's released and opens a rabbit stew restaurant, which becomes a very popular chain. (laughs) Michael Douglas isn't in this movie. It's just a story about a woman successfully recovering from a very traumatic part of her life. Yep. That's nice. Okay. Adam Capitano said, natal attraction. This time a crazy lady tries to steal Michael Douglas's baby. Right, yeah. I don't know where Michael Douglas got a baby at this stage of life, but sure. (laughs) Maybe the little girl, I don't know. She's not really a baby. Um, Maybe there's another baby on on the way. Sure, I mean... I know, they seem quite old. Uh, (laughs) Mike Carey said, Fatal Retraction, in which we learn the events of the first movie were being told by an unreliable narrator, and somebody else sets the story straight. (laughs) Now, I like that, because that would mean that maybe, like, Glenn Close is the sane one, and he's the crazy stalker. Yeah. That might be interesting. Written and directed by Glenn Close. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. She still wouldn't win that Oscar, though. (laughs) Ira Ray. Written, directed, and nominated by Glenn Close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Self-nominated by Glenn Close. Uh, Ira Ray said potato attraction it's the exact same movie except michael douglas is uh, doing the voice of mr potato head to what end maybe it's like a toy story universe so it's like mr potato head has an affair against mr behind mrs potato head's back with another toy Come voiced on. by glenn close there's some kind of a pun here there must be anything well like on glenn close it feels like something screaming for a pun i, I no. don't know I, I don't know what the kids are playing with these days like no. What, what kind of doll will be voiced by Glenn Close? <sighs> like a Hillary Clinton doll or something? You know, that's not what the kids are playing with these. No, I, 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 I can say with complete confidence. <laughs> no one's going to play those Hillary Clinton dolls. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No. Uh, but yeah, I like that. Well, I don't like that. That sounds upsetting, but mm. interesting. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that was Potato Attraction. Francesco Benincasa said, Fatal Distraction. Smartphones lead to the end of lurid affairs. Nobody's happy a family makes rabbits to you. So I guess people stop having affairs because they're too distracted by their phones all the time. So, yep, yeah. okay. That, uh, that, that, that is the whole reason we use our phones. Pretty much, yeah. Just to keep down the urges. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Fatal Attraction podcast. A podcast genuinely like inspired by this film. Oh, great. They got back to us. They're dedicated to films that are in this genre. Like they do erotic thrillers. They just talk about erotic thrillers all the time. Hmm. So this, single white female, hand the rocks the cradle, all those kinds of things. Yeah, sure. Cool. Dan and Beth's daughter, Ellen, is now 37 and still has nightmares about her pet rabbit. Right. Although happily married, she begins a lesbian affair with a woman at work who turns psycho. Jane Krakowski also cameos as, oh, El- as Ellen's former yes. babysitter turned confidant. Did you notice she was in this movie? Wait, was she in this movie? Yeah, oh, she played the, she's in like one scene. She's basically an extra. She's the babysitter at the beginning. Oh, right. I didn't know yeah. that. A very, very young Jane Krakowski. She's hard to recognise. It was mm. only when the credits were old, I was like, Jane Krakowski? Mm. Yeah. She's like twenty. Oh, great. She 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 does good bitches be crazy. Yeah, she would be great. Yeah, mm. I would love to see like if Thirty Rock could put her in like a Jenna Maroney stars in mm. a remake of Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. That'd be very funny. Yeah, <laughs> that really would. That'd be great. Uh, Blockbusters uh, said they've not seen this film, so mm. based on the title alone, they've gone with Fatal Attraction Two, just a little closer. The same film, but everyone is slightly more gravitationally attracted to each other by about five inches. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah, that yeah. works. Uh, and finally, at Cindy Lover nineteen sixty nine said the husband is undergoing therapy for cheating on Anne Archer with Glenn Close. Yeah, a bit harsh, but sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. is it? Do you not think that they need some kind of therapy? No, no. Well, I, oh, I assume. Sorry, I assumed that he meant by that that he's, he has to have therapy for possibly wanting to choose Glenn Close over Stone Cold Hottie Anne, Anne Archer. But maybe I misread it. I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe yeah. therapy because like that, mate, that's a crazy decision. It is, yeah, sure. But, like, <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah, those are our listener submissions for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any sequel ideas for Fatal Attraction or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Acast, and more. Just search Beyond the Box Set. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search Beyond the Box Set or at Beyond the Box Set for Twitter. And our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set. And we're also a proud member of the Pave Media Podcasting Network. Go to pavemedia.net to find out how we can help you to grow your audience and connect with fellow podcasters. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, one film down out of four. Mm-hmm. Has this changed your opinion on Glenn Close at all? Did you... Hmm. Um, still feels like a uh, discount Meryl. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm. do you think she was good in the movie? Yeah, she she was fine. Mm-hmm. No, she was, she, she was really good. Okay. I still think, yeah, poor man's Meryl. Okay, fair enough. Okay. So, next week we'll see if we can... You know, change your opinion in any way. Yep. We're going to stay with, with for now. With we are going to do some different things, but next week we're going to do her other big, probably most famous Oscar loss, the one people say she probably should have won for. I think it was actually the year after this. She you know, two... I, I, I'm going to start thinking this film that Fatal Attraction. Yeah. She's eight Merrells out, out of ten. Okay, that's a that's a good that's a good but demeaning ranking system. <laughs> I don't think she'd like it, but I like it. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, sure. Okay, eight Merrells out of ten. Okay. Yeah, ten's not the limit. Oh, okay. So she could be like fifteen Merrells out of ten. Mm. Well, let's see how next week goes. Yeah. So next week, we're going to go for the film. I think she came out the following year. So it was a big time in her life. Mm-hmm. Again, she was nominated for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Didn't win. I think she might have lost to Meryl, possibly. <gasps> anyway, uh, the film is Dangerous Liaisons. And I think... I'm not sure if you'll like the film. Oh, I think you'll... great. No, 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 no. no. Let me finish <laughs> it. I don't think you'll hate it. I don't think you'll hate it. It's a really good film. It's a really good film. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if it... Genre-wise, it's not really something we've done before. It's mm. like a costume drama kind of thing. But I can guarantee, if even if the oh, film is what? well, you know, like it's you know, like seventeenth century, you know, courtroom drama kind of thing. But but even if the film isn't your cup of tea, and I don't mm-hmm. think I think you'll, it's a good film. It's a very good film. I think you, I can guarantee you will appreciate the cast. It is a film with a great cast mm-hmm. that you will very much enjoy. Okay. If I was to say, Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. playing a seventeenth century French aristocrat. Mm-hmm. Does that turn you on a little bit more? Uh, I mean, yeah, a bit, but like, there's only so far a great cast can take a film. I really Look at like re- film. recent films of great cast, The Martian or The Favourite. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they both th- th- both fantastic casts, mm-hmm. but the films are not great because of solely the cast. No, no, this isn't either. This is a really good film. I, I, I only said, I don't, I, I'd be surprised if you hated it. What, what I meant is, it's not a genre that I really associate with you being like hugely big on. Mm-hmm. It's not a million miles away from The Favourite. I yeah. think you'll find a lot to enjoy in this film, but I think the cast will help. Okay. I think you'll enjoy it with the cast will help. Okay. You don't sound very confident, but no. trust me on this. Okay. Anyway, well, we're doing it, so... But uh, yeah. We're not doing all... After this, we'll do some sillier stuff, like, you know. Okay. Yeah. So far, this is all I expected from a Glenn Close season. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. that's what you get for, you know, giving me this power. Noted. I watched Bat- Noted. Okay, lesson learned. <laughs> I watched Battleship lesson and Need for Speed back to back, so come on. Come on. <laughs> I'm making you watch two classic movies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, deal with it. Sure. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, so join us next week for Dangerous Liaisons. Dangerous Liaisons, yeah. Already these films are forgettable. No, they're not. It's not a great title. Dangerous liaison. Again, it sounds like any film. Well, it's a film. The Fatal Attraction, Dangerous Liaison, they both sound like just any film ever. Mm-hmm. And it would be appropriate. Maybe maybe that's the problem. Maybe they needed better titles. It's just so generic. 
I mean, well, clearly not because that one made loads of money in the in the eighties. Yes, it did. So did Dangerous Liaisons. Great. The eighties was not a good time. Wait, watch the film. You might like it. Mm. We'll see, won't we? Okay. It's a good film to have watched. Mm-hmm. It's a classic. Mm. Okay. So join us next week for Dangerous Liaisons. Thanks very much. Bye. Answer my calls, you change your number. I mean, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan.